0: here we go with a new episode of the Marvelous.
1: hi this is the fallen angel Christopher Daniels former ring of honor world champion current AEW superstar inspiration to children everywhere and a national treasure and you're listening to the Marvelous with Peter Melnick and Eddie Wilson
2: enjoy Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelists, the Marvel Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick.
0: And I'm Eddie Wilson.
2: And before we get into the usual rigmarole of today's show and introducing our special guest, we want to tell you all at home how you can get a hold of us on them their social medias. So without further ado and without further delay, do it. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at... The Marvelists. You can find us individually on social media. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Peter Melnick and also on TikTok because I got nothing better to do. At Peter Melnick, but better. You can also find Eddie on one social media platform, which is... Instagram at Eddie9193. You can also find us on a wide variety of streaming platforms. TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, you name it. We're there. Exactly. You can also find us on iTunes. Rate, review, subscribe, and share. Broken ice cream machines, McDonald's, you know, because whatever. And if you're Uh, ever so reclined. (laughs) Stop that. Five stars. Keep it five stars. Declined? I, pretend I said it four more times to m- get the, for the five-star effect. No, don't. Just You can don't. also find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash... The Marvelists! Were you... Cu- that was tough. I'm Easy for you st- to say. Turning into Stallone a little bit. Yo! But you can find us on there and support the show for as little as $3 a month. Three? As much as a uh, million.
0: No, five, eight. Those are these acceptable. Five million?
2: Five, eight million. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. good, good enough. But... You get 2.5, I get 2.5. It will work out for both of us. But for $3 a month, you get early access to episodes 24 hours before they air, which includes this episode. And you can also get our undying love and gratitude for that. You know, Eddie will give you a hug if he sees you.
0: It may die eventually, but, you know, everything has its lifespan.
2: You can also, for $5 a month, get our Patreon bonus show, The Fantastic Voyage, where we cover all 102 issues of Stan Lee and Jack Kirby's iconic fantastic four run crossovers uh what else we got uh annuals oh <laughs> i'm gonna move the microphone just hit it as i talk specials one shots whatever it is it's whatever co- in there if they did it we're gonna cover it it's clobbering time for the microphone it is and also again on patreon for the te- i think eight dollar and up tier if you don't suck we'll let you be a guest co-host he has that for an incentive exactly just be you know charismatic and run away run far away <laughs> bon jovi yeah, could be. Eh, good enough. Also support the show on belowthecollar.com slash... The Marvelists. And get our Dad Joke Immune t-shirt, because God willing, if you've made it this far, you are Dad Joke Immune. Congratulations. Now, gentlemen, well, just you're, you're pluralized now, gentlemen, Eddie. Thanks a lot. You're seeing double. Join, <laughs> my, I need a new prescription. Joining us on the other end of the tin cannon string, we are joined with the ring general, the fallen angel, Christopher Daniels, AEW superstar, Good evening.
1: Good evening. What a wild, what a wild turn of events that intro was. Holy cow!
2: Oh, it sure is. Amazing. I've never,
0: never heard it called that before, and probably
2: never will again. What
1: a, what a roller coaster! What a roller coaster of emotions that intro was.
2: There were thrills <laughs> and/or chills. Ah. So first off, you're a Marvel fan. I've known this for a very long time. Over on ProWrestlingTees.com, there is a John Byrne guy T-shirt and. You're actually joined alongside with a fellow burn victim, Eddie Wilson. Yes, I am.
1: Amazing. Burn victims, yeah.
2: What was your introduction just overall with Marvel?
1: Well, okay. my I, I don't remember a time in my life where I didn't have two things in it, and that was pro wrestling and comic books. Hmm. I grew up reading Marvel stuff. Um, there was a period of time where I had a, a spinner comic rack, uh, and that was how I kept my books back when I was, this was pre-bags and boards. Um, I was just buying stuff and uh you know just reading everything and somewhere somewhere along the way i picked up claremont and burns uncanny x-men and that was what changed me from a guy just buying books to a guy looking to fill a run a, a guy looking to pick up back issues a guy picking up bags and boards and trying to keep books in a certain condition so that was really the thing that that Got me that crossed me over into a collector, you know. And it was right around that same time that uh Wolfman and Perez were doing New Teen Titans at the distinguished competition. So, those were like the two uh team books, the two, I guess, in that era of the early 80s, those were the books that got me involved. So, and it's... um, Claremont and Byrne is definitely like the run that I always go back to to say this is what god started for me
0: so at that tender age you hit comic puberty yeah a hundred
1: percent hundred percent
0: then i hear right though you said you had you were in possession of a
1: spinner rack i actually have a spinner rack now but my parents bought me one oh, uh, 7-eleven that had closed this was 1980 ish um my parents bought a spinner rack for me damn and so yeah and so uh i had my books in it and of course if you leave comics in there, especially if you put more than two or three <laughs> in a, in one of those gimmicks, they start to mangle and bend, and it was like, oh, this is no good. So I had to get rid of it. But now um, there was a Kickstarter maybe two, three years ago for new Spinner Racks, and now that I've got you know the top loaders, I've got some of my prized possessions in a Spinner Rack in my front room, like New Mutants 87 and Ultimate Fallout 4 and... Uh, NYX number three, you know, the first uh, the first appearances of some of the top stuff right now.
2: And in regards to, you know, you being a big fan of the X-Men and the new Teen Titans around that time, did your mind explode when that one crossover came out? An
1: amazing crossover, (laughs) an amazing crossover, probably the best Marvel DC. The only one that in in my mind comes close is the Batman Spider-Man that Bagley drew. Like that also was great, but yeah, as a kid, the idea of X Men and Teen Titans getting together, Walt Simonson drawing, Chris Claremont writing, I, it was Christmas morning, man. It was amazing. I remember picking that book up, and the two guys in my school, the three of us were comic nerds at that point. We were just so psyched that this book was coming out, and I remember picking it up. And yeah, man, what what a, what a what a great what a great culmination of two great teams and great creators sort of come together and making uh, a, a neat
0: a, a neat book. And to make further testament to that, it's one of the few intentional double comic purchases that I had made, and that was definitely, you know, of my top three, I'm going to say I did
2: that. And it's kind of wild to be able to look back back then, you know, with yourself as the for the early days of you being a fan, and then you look back or you look forward to now what the world looks like with comics and the pop culture influence it has it must be wild to see, you know, characters like Shang-Chi be a very soon household name.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and this was this feeling now that, of Shang-Chi coming out. It was sort of that same feeling when Guardians of the Galaxy was first announced. And, you know, it was uh, it was one of those things where the normal civilian, you know, they barely knew who Iron Man was at the time. You know, they had heard of Captain America. And then you're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy I'm sure there are people that have no clue who Shang-Chi is. But, I mean, the guys that have read Marvel, as long as I have, they're like, oh, they're, they're getting into the deep cuts. And, and it's amazing to think that these characters will become household names, uh, you know, in the near future. It, it's amazing, man. And, and to think how far we go, like you talk about the movies and the television shows, you know, I remember when uh, The Incredible Hulk, uh, the television show came out with Bill Bixby back in the day and Luke Ferrigno. And, and just thinking how exciting that was as a comic fan to be like, oh, man, this is awesome, even though it had very little to do with the comic itself. Uh, you know what I mean? And, and and now with all the television shows that are that are going on, all the movies, and so much of it is ingrained in the actual comic stories that, that came before it. Um, yeah, it's a different world, man.
2: And, you know, there are a lot of characters like you just mentioned earlier with the Guardians of the Galaxy and the element of just obscure characters that are, you know, now A-listers. Groot is a household name.
1: Yes. Yeah, exactly. Rocket Raccoon of all of all characters, one of the most popular in in the universe,
2: you know. And it's it's funny because you literally have a character whose words are I am and Groot. And it (laughs) somehow became a like that became a pop culture phenomenon when, you know, the movie first came out, and as a result, they did not really bank on, uh, you know, baby group being a kind of thing. And they're like, "Ah, oh, crap! We have to make a bunch of things." Uh, the crap. <laughs>
1: so. I'm sure they're not saying, "Ah, oh, crap!" Especially when the, the the checks are rolling back. Mm-hmm. They're probably like, "Oh, wow! What a turn of event, How lucky we are!"
2: It's just wild, like, you know, sometimes, like, those major companies will, like, not have the foresight to realize, oh, yeah, you know, we, maybe we should have marketed that as well. Like, the whole, you know, the Grogu situation back, you know, a few right. years ago. Right, yeah, I
1: was, I was literally about to say, like, the lack of Baby Yoda stuff when it first came out, as opposed to what it is now, which is just everywhere you turn, there it is.
2: Again, it, it, it's really cool to see geek culture permeate the pop culture landscape.
1: Yeah, and and I think part of the fun of it now is there's there's two ways that, that there's two ways that the movies and the television shows go. They either hold super tight to the media that inspired it or they go off in a wildly different direction and it's always fun to see what mixture of the two they do. You know, I think that was one of the fun things about WandaVision when I was watching WandaVision knowing what House of M was and sort of having an understanding of what was going on and still trying to see what was different, what was going to be different from Bendis's, you know obviously it was going to be a different setup, obviously it was going to be a different ending, you know, because of the characters, you know, the the lack of mutant characters in the MCU at this point. But just knowing what it was what the framework was gonna be and how were they gonna fill the void between you know, what the story was back when Bendis wrote it and what they were going to, to put out themselves. That's part of the fun of it is just seeing like, oh, I recognize this from the books and then, oh, that's different from what the book set up. You know, that's the fun to me being a comic reader is is knowing, you know, knowing the background and then seeing what's different and what's the same.
2: It's kind of funny that, you know, you mentioned the whole mutant element and House of M. And, you know, the mutants have not made their debut yet, but the whole point of House of M was no more mutants, whereas now we're going to be getting them in the hopefully near future, so it'll be no, comma more mutants.
1: Yeah, right, right. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how they introduce that. um, If it's sort of like how I feel, like they could go one of two ways as well. They can do something, some sort of uh, Big Bang event, that introduces the, mutant, the mutants to the, the universe, or do they sort of treat it like the way they treated introducing Tom Holland as Spider-Man? They're like, oh, by the way, there's Spider-Man. You know what I mean? Ha- are, have they been among us this, this whole time, or is there going to be an event that sort of kickstarts the, the mutant gene on the planet? So, I mean, there's, there's, there's many ways they can go, and it's interesting to think what they can do, and it'll be cool to see what
2: they do. Now, with the mutants, I'm going to put you on the spot for this one, but how would you introduce them? Which version of the team would you do? The classic team where it's Iceman, Beast, uh, Marvel Girl, Cyclops, uh, Angel, or would you go mutant, uh, what's what's it called, uh, giant size number one? Would you go with that team, or maybe even a mixture of the two?
1: Probably, probably just because of the popularity of Wolverine. I think you'd have to do mm. giant size X-Men one. Um, and, and and with that, you're obviously going to have the original five as part of it, but you can't. At this point, I don't think you can do a mute universe and not have Wolverine be at least part of it. You can't. I mean, I don't. If you don't make him front and center, that's understandable. But at the same time, if you don't include him at all, that's a miss. That's a missed opportunity in my mind. So it's it's probably going to be something. Uh, you know, and this is coming from a guy who falls down for a living and doesn't write comic books at all. But it's probably going to be something along the lines of a big bang, something that happens to the universe where all of a sudden this stuff happens. And, and the weird thing about that is, like, if you go with the history of Wolverine as it is, it would be you would have to have him. He's, he's been around for such a long time. The history of him coming up from the 1800s and being as old as he is, like, how do you how do you introduce him without having him have been part of the universe in the first place? Does that make sense? Yeah. I just I just talked a whole series of, of loops around myself.
2: And, you know, it's funny because we still also haven't gotten the Terrigen Mist because now Inhumans is no longer considered canon for the overall MCU, you know? What right. a shame. But, you know, uh, that was sarcasm blatantly. <laughs> but um, yeah. in, in regards to the Terrigen Mist... <laughs> We're going to be getting Ms. Marvel soon, uh, Kamala Khan, and there's its own kind of thing over there with the Terrigen Mist element, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how they introduce her as a character when they've sort of foregone the entire the Terrigen Mist and the whole uh, the the whole inhuman thing after after the television series sort of whimpered away.
2: I have the weirdest feeling they would do the Inhumans versus X-Men event on the big screen. I, like, I feel like that's something they're going to want to, you know, aim towards.
1: If that's true, they'll have to reintroduce everybody. They'll have to reintroduce
2: Black Bolt and the
1: entire Inhuman. Uh, you know, they're not going to go with the guys that they had on the television series, obviously. Um, you know, and, and so, like, it, it would be, I, I think it would be a lot to try and get them both at the same time. So I feel like the X Men are going to come first, and possibly later down the line they'll reintroduce Inhumans. Um, but I mean, who, who's to say? Yeah. Who's to say it might be it might be years before they decide to re sort of bring the Inhumans back into the fold.
2: And then we're getting the Eternals uh, this fall in you know on the big screen, and it's right. it's so odd. Again, all of these kinds of characters that you know. If you went to a comic book shop, the, these were the characters that were sitting in the dollar bin and now they're commanding top dollar prices. People can't, you know, keep like a hold of them. And it's it's just so odd because, again, Eternals. Now we might have the possibility of the X-Men, possibility of the Inhumans. There's oh so many different, you know, subgroups in this. And it's, it's so wild.
1: Yeah, and, and I think part of the difficulty that they're going to find is you know, now that they've opened up to the cosmos of of the Marvel Universe, of the cinematic universe, anyway, like it's conceivable that uh, you would only have Eternals interacting with, like Thor or Guardians of the Galaxy, and they could tell whole stories where they never even hit Earth. You know what I mean? This could be Eternals and Captain Marvel uh, interacting. All all the characters that have that that interstellar capacity. Um, you know they could never hit Earth whatsoever. So they never, they never interact. The possibility of them never interacting with the Avengers, or not interacting with the Avengers, or whatever iteration of the Avengers comes now, um, you know they could they could go years without even the idea of a crossover event like that.
2: And then we all forgot about the Fantastic Four. They're showing up too. It, it's it's so confusing already. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean that—that's the the benefit of having so much great content to sort of put out there. Yeah, and uh, it, it seems like they're gung ho as to putting it all out there in the right manner. So, I mean, that's that's why it's great right now to sort of be a Marvel guy is to see all of the possibilities. And you know, you hear you hear of oh, the, the Fantastic Four are going to be introduced, and the the fan casting of who's going to be, you know, oh, John Krasinski is going to be Mister Fantastic or whatever. You know all the all of the possibilities that can happen. Um, that's part of the fun of of being the Marvel fan right now is just just the the possibilities the possibilities of it all.
2: And you just mentioned uh, the fa- the fan casting going on right now with Reed Richards. Let's throw uh, Krasinski off the table for this. Who would you have as your pick for Mister Fantastic?
1: Oh man, um, you know it's funny. After I had seen Krasinski sort of mentioned. Um, he sort of got stuck in my head. So now it's hard to see someone else. But I mean... Uh, God, um,
2: someone threw uh, Bill Hader yeah. at me recently, and I'm like, that's perfect.
1: That's not bad. That's not bad. Um, uh, Justin Thoreau would probably be a good Reed Richards. Uh, I hope I got the right name. I, that was I'm thinking of the guy from um, The Leftovers, the, the lead from The Leftovers, the HBO
2: series. Right.
1: It is Justin Thoreau, right? I think um, so. Yeah. So I God, now now I'm stuck. Now I'm now I'm gonna be stuck thinking, is that Justin Thoreau or is that someone else for the entire the rest of this podcast?
2: Moving on. It's, Moving it's just on man. It's so funny because again, you know, also there have been rumors going around in regards to the multiverse element of the Marvel universe. I had a conversation with a friend today about uh the upcoming Spider Man three uh right. No Way is No Way Home, right? Yeah, No Way Home. And, like, he was talking to me about in regards to they're not announcing uh, Tugboat Toby or Andrew Garfield yet because they want to, you know, save it for its own big thing because apparently, and I don't know whether or not this is believable or not, but, like, they want to do an amazing Spider-Man 3 and a Spider-Man 4, continuing both of those characters' universes. But when I hear the title No Way Home, I kind of think this is the fact of Tugboat Toby has no way home because he's going to cease to be mm. in this universe. He's going to be the casualty.
1: That's quite possible, man. I sort of, when I first heard No Way Home, I didn't think anything about the uh, the possibility of the multiverse, the, the rumors of Andrew Garfield and Toby McGuire being part of it. I sort of read into the idea that now that he's, At the end of, at the end of Far From Home, his identity's been revealed. Now there's no way for him to get back to a normal life. Right now that people know who he is, and how does that affect his life? How does that affect Aunt May? How does that affect his relationship with MJ? So, I mean, like, it's conceivable that all of that could be part of it, or none of that could be part of it.
2: And then we're hearing, you know, the rumors going, oh, not rumors, but, like, essentially it's been confirmed 100% by the man himself, Alfred Molina, reprising the role of Dr. Octopus and using the de-aging technology, which, wow, that's that's going to be really cool to see.
1: Yeah, and, and, and honestly, like, I read all the, all the hubbub about Alfred Molina discussing his role. Um, like, I, I think people, when people say, like, oh, it spoiled the plot. I'm not sure that's the case because we don't know how all of this is going to happen yet. It just sort of opens up the possibilities, and I think it opens up the discussion. And until the movie comes out, none of us have any idea how they're going to play this, how involved Alfred Molina is going to be. You know, this could all all end up being like one big cameo. You know what I mean? Like this could be like a five-minute segment of the movie and not be that big of a linchpin in the story. So, I mean, there's so many ways they could go with this. You know, it's interesting to see everybody sort of fired up like, oh, how could, how could they have given away the plot so quickly? I don't think they've given it away. They've just made it. They've given you an avenue that they could go. And now you're seeing all of the possibilities and all the, all the scuttlebutt on the Internet of, oh, they're going to do this. They're going to do this. Well, we, would, we don't know until it happens, guys.
0: It's just keeping it out there, keeping the uh, speculation, perhaps, or, or just the buzz, the interest in, like, what are they going to do? And, you know, you're waiting for the next the next thing, which is a great thing right. to do in yeah, terms of that. Like yeah,
1: chatter high, man. It's very interesting to see where this could all go. And, and anybody with a creative mind uh, at this point is probably going nuts with all the different avenues that they could possibly go.
0: Well, in just a general sense of it, too, and you, you touched on it quite a bit before, is that getting into these films and series, whether they're not on the big screen, but my wife is a perfect example of this. She's gotten, by one way or the other, not not that she was forced into it, but she's gotten herself immersed in these characters. And you know, I would know a little more so as to yeah, that was not not in the comic book. This is what they did different. And but she's asking questions throughout. And in some cases, I don't have the full answer, but I'm saying this is just what the way they did it here. Well, why isn't this happening, or why? So a wizard the, you know, did it. She's been she's been uh, with it all throughout, and even to the point of like, for example what just wrapped up the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and listening to the podcasts that we've done afterwards, we have to do the last one, listen to the last one and say, well, did you talk about this? And did you mention, don't forget that. Uh, so she's, uh, you know, invested to a degree. And again, I didn't force it on her. She was, she's just, she's into it.
1: So Yeah. It, it's- same thing with my wife. Like we watch, we'll watch the shows, we'll watch the movies and she'll, invariably she's forgotten everything so she has to, every time she watches it's like i'm i'm living with the person from memento and so she's like wait a minute what happened here and i'm like you saw this movie with me don't you remember and then finally i have to explain a what happened in the movies prior and b how they did it in the comics so um luckily i've got a better memory than her so i just it like- makes for fun conversation
2: and it's, it's funny because with the, the Disney Plus shows, there's so much stuff. Again, Ms. Marvel's coming along. We're going to be getting a She-Hulk series. And I do love when I see fan reactions to announcements. And, like, when Kevin Feige did his announcement for the upcoming shows and everything, he talks mm. about She-Hulk. And he goes, anything can happen in a law firm. Like, something to that effect. And right, even as simple as what he said, I loved hearing the reaction of the fan base where they're just like, oh, my God, Charlie Cox Daredevil's showing up. I'm like nowhere in that did he say that. He said anything can happen in a law firm. Anyone can show up. And like my immediate reaction was the Dan Slot run where a certain waterfowl shows up from the planet, uh, you know, planet duck. Or, right. You know what I right. mean? Right. I want to see Howard in these things because why not?
1: Sure, 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 sure. And and um, you know, in addition to all the things you just mentioned, you know, when they mentioned Moon Knight being oh. a part of the upcoming stuff, and all the all the uh, all the talk about Oscar Isaac being a part of that show. I mean, these are all speculations and and theories and all that stuff. That's part of the fun as well. Is just trying to figure it out and trying to be a step ahead of the people that are putting it out to see what they do, where they go, how they interact, all this stuff. It's funny that you mentioned Charlie Cox. I Back in the day, I thought for sure that they were going to introduce all of the street level, the, the guys that were in the Defenders. I thought they were going to introduce them through the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. television show. And I thought that was an opportunity that, you know, for whatever reason, whether it was licensing or, you know, contracts between Netflix and Marvel and ABC, um, I just thought that was something that would have been a cool way to sort of integrate everything in the way that they've integrated the, the movies, um, if they integrated the television products uh, the, or the television properties, I thought that would have been a great way to do it. And for whatever reason, they didn't. But, you know, there we go.
2: And it's funny because with a lot of those shows, first off, I remember the perfect way to say that they could have merged together with these. Every show of the uh, Netflix series, they always had the opening saying ABC Studios production. And right, that's right. the perfect, you know, tie into there. But. Uh, but it's funny because, you know, the MCU gets, like, mostly, like, 99% of the time, perfect scores, perfect fan reactions, and then the Netflix series on occasion got, like, really great, but some were like, eh, whatever. But some of the, eh, whatever ones, like Iron Fist, I still liked, you know? I, I absolutely, I thought Iron Fist was the only, uh, was the only
1: episode, or the only one of the four Whose second season was better than the first?
2: That's what I've heard. I felt
1: like, yeah, I've, I felt like all the other, all the other ones sort of took a dip in quality, or I just didn't like the second season as much as I like the first of Daredevil, of Luke Cage, of Jessica Jones, Iron Fist. For me, it tightened up. It got a better. I felt like it had a, a more singular flow of where you were going. It was easier to enjoy in my in my thought process. Um, everything else, you know, like. Once you get to, like, Daredevil season three, I thought that was a big step up. You know, I, I dug Jessica Jones' third season more than the second. But, uh, but yeah, like, Iron Fist's second season, to me, was the standout of that particular series. And, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see if they, you know, with all the discussion of somehow merging Charlie Cox with Daredevil, do they also do that with, you know, Mike Coulter and uh, Kristen Ritter and um, – Finn Jones, that was his name, right? The yes. guy that played Iron Fist. Yeah. So do they do the do they bring those guys in? Do they recast? You know, it's uh it's a mystery until so we see it happen.
2: And it's a bummer too, because you know, the idea of potential recasting where you have an actor like Mike Coulter who is Luke Cage. You know, I met him at a uh, comic convention a couple of years back and just that that intensity, that you know, the presence he has. The man was Luke Cage. I literally walked up to him, and I'm thinking in the back of my head, "Don't call him Luke. Don't call him Luke." <laughs> and there's just that element of how great they are in the role, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought
1: all of those all of those guys in the the Netflix stuff sort of fit their characters real well, and um, you know, there were there were good episodes and bad episodes, but I thought overall, like that was a a, a very good set of characters and good good product that Marvel had put out.
2: And it's funny, too, because, again, you know, going over to Luke Cage, one of my favorite moments in the first season, because I still haven't gotten to the second, is the moment of bring the ruckus with the car door and the Wu-Tang Clan playing. And it's just, there's so many memorable, great moments that stick with you. Like, I'm, you know, I love so much about what happened in the Marvel Cinematic Universe on a musical side, especially Guardians, especially the Spider-Man movies, which have low-key some of the best soundtracks of the entire mcu but you have moments like the bring the ruckus scene you have the uh hammer fight from iron fist season one you have all these moments that just stick with you and they have the musical element to them and they're great what i'm what i'm getting at is chris have you ever been in a submarine
1: I can't say that I have. That's one. That's one method of transport I haven't gotten to yet.
0: We were on our way there when we talked about, you know, sub stories. So, but or or the hunger pangs just kicked in for a sub sandwich. This
2: is why you're the better word man guy than I am.
0: Maybe, <laughs> maybe when it's time, Chris. It does sound like you are invested in a lot, if not all, of these characters. So it wouldn't be fair, maybe, to ask you to try and give me give us a, a top three. Um, but I was also going to back up and say, if you remember. When you first started, never mind what age you were reading comic books. Who were your first? What were your first comic books that you actually picked up and read?
1: Oh man, uh, I don't remember the first ones that I read. Honestly, like everything sort of reverts back to the the X Men stuff, the Uncanny. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the the Dark Phoenix saga. That was the stuff that I uh, you know anything that Byrne drew. Like really, I was drawn to. Like once he left X Men, um, you know he, he he puttered around until he got to his fantastic four run, um, and then that was amazing in and of itself as well. Um, so yeah, I was I was I was really drawn to a lot of the artists at the very beginning, and part of it I think was the popularity of the art uh, in the eighties. Guys like Byrne, guys like George Perez, guys like Frank Miller, like those artists sort of drew me in, and so. Um, you know, I, I went to Uncanny X-Men. I went to Daredevil. I went to New Teen Titans, you know, and then the subsequent stuff that they drew, um, you know, when Miller went and did Ronin for uh, DC, when uh, when Byrne did Fantastic Four, you know, and then after that did stuff like Namor and, and Spider-Man and things like that. Like, that's who I started following at first. And then once I, I sort of got a little more mature, I started following the writers, you know, in, in the in the most recent in the most recent set of time, like after Bendis with his stuff with uh, Ultimate Spider-Man, with his all-new X-Men, all the stuff that he did in the X-Men stuff, and now people like Benjamin Percy riding Wolverine riding X-Force, like that's sort of the stuff that I gravitate to now.
0: And you mentioned so I, George. Uh, you God. mentioned George Perez. Would that have also included you going over into his Wonder Woman?
1: Uh, a little bit, not as much. I I felt like after a while, I I never really gravitated to the DC characters like I did for the Marvel characters, and I don't know why that was. So, I I wasn't into the Wonder Woman as much as I was into George Perez. And then when I I read a couple issues, I sort of fell off a lot quicker. So for whatever reason, if it was if it was a DC other than New Teen Titans, I just never I never got into it as much, and I can't I can't really. I can't really vocalize why that was. It just was the way it was.
0: And then we're back to John Byrne, were you like myself also who had to wind up following, whether it was accidentally or intentionally seeking out other stuff that he had done, you know, whether it was DC or Image and going to other things like that. Like I think I went to Next Men pretty much after yep. that I knew. I, would, um, I was, did his
1: next, all the stuff he did at Dark Horse. One, when they started doing Icon, um, I followed his stuff up to that point. That was sort of where I... I Stopped seeing a lot of his stuff. Um, I picked up a lot of the IDW Star Trek stuff he did, yep. like the Doctor McCoy series that he did. I want to say was it year five?
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: or or Star Trek Crew, I think was the name of it. I did, I got some of those, but it was it was fewer and far between. Uh, you know, at that point, it seemed like he wasn't as prolific as he was back in the day. It was so just the I, art. The, I followed along for a good part of time.
0: I was just, you know, again, like you said, drawn to the artwork. I know there's a joke in there, but, but even uh, Babe, ah. I think, was one of his characters. Yeah, um, That's just yep. a stick
1: song. And Trio, yes. Trio, like uh, that was another one that he drew, uh, wrote and drew, and I picked up the very beginnings of. And he also so, um, did
0: uh, some Superman in the 80s or early 90s, thereabouts.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same with all the Man of Steel stuff that I picked up at the beginning. Um, you know, that was when I was still following him religiously. So all the the, the D C Legends uh, miniseries that yes. he drew and then the Man of Steel. Yeah, I picked all that stuff up. So yeah, I followed I followed Byrne. He's probably the the one artist that I followed whether no matter what character, no matter what comic company he was at, I followed his stuff, you know, up to up until it got hard to find his stuff, you yeah. know.
0: For, you, me, for me, I was going to just say real quick that if I happen to have come upon something else he did, and I go, "Wait, he did this too!" Oh, I got to find the rest of it now. You know, right, uh, right. the short was a seven issues, I think. DC Lab Rats. There's one. Um,
1: yeah, uh, the Adam, like the first couple of issues of the Atom, he did. There was a series that he did for them. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of different ones that he did. Some short, some short runs. And I think or even, they uh, did like a Demon one. Uh, maybe some uh, New Gods.
2: Yeah, he did some New uh, Gods well, stuff. He,
1: and and I, th- I felt like I felt like once he sort of once he sort of cut ties with Marvel he wanted to get into the stuff that Kirby had created over at DC okay because yeah. I felt like that was the stuff that he really respected and was like oh I'd love to do the stuff that Jack that Jack did so he was doing new gods he did demon you know and then he also like you said lab rats he created his own stuff
0: and another one I just thought of too was because uh, I kept getting suicide squad in my head but I think it was more it was uh, doom patrol
2: hell yeah
1: right doom patrol <laughs> yes 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 he did a uh, he did a, a twelve issues of that or something like that. Yeah, and so a, a pretty pretty substantial run for Doom Patrol, I thought.
2: And it's funny too because um, do you check out any of his stuff on his website, his uh, forum where he's doing the X Men Elsewhen?
1: I have not. I have not. I was reading it, some of it before, but I don't get an opportunity to, to go to his website that often anymore. Mm-hmm. So I, I remember seeing the beginnings of that and uh, people commenting on it and stuff, but I never I never really delve too deeply into it. I, I just don't... For whatever reason, I'm not that big of an internet guy where I'm, I'm following the, the website itself and getting on the forums and stuff. So, yeah, it just wasn't my scene for whatever reason.
2: It's just a bummer that it has not... Like, he was... Uh, C.B. Sobolski was trying to bring him over, like, bring him back to Marvel so they could actually publish the Elsewhen books, and nothing came about of it, obviously. But it's like, you know, he's, I think he's up to issue number 20 on his website, and some people have even gone forward and, you know, took those pages and made them into, like, you know, print versions, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of hullabaloo about that one, and it's kind of funny after huh. a while, you know, because, like, even, you know, Rob Liefeld, the Rob father himself, he's got a copy of them now, and, like, it's a badge of honor if you were able to get the, uh, if you were able to snooker the one company into printing it for you to print it for you.
1: Right. Ah, that's
2: amazing, man! I'll have to look that up. But it is, it is definitely worth checking out. It's a lot of stuff to
0: cover. We are so happy that we get to talk about about this, and I guess we could keep going into into other stuff too. I don't know if there's anything left to say. Hey, I'm looking forward to if they're going to pull up this obscure character. Any anything in your head that you you know you haven't seen come to life yet that you would want to?
1: Um, nothing off the top of my head. You know, I I think. I think the the things that I haven't seen like it'll be interesting to see if they like you said they're bringing Ms. they're bringing Kamal Khan so it'd be interesting to see if they go like a champions route you know with Kamala Khan and Miles Morales if they introduce Nova they've you know they've introduced the Nova Corps, mm-hmm. but they've never introduced Richard Ryder or Sam Alexander so do they do that do they go do they get a, 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 a you know a young heroes Team, like the champions together that would be interesting you know and then I, I think probably the other thing now is do they do they do someone like spider woman do do they do a jessica drew do they uh do they bring her to light or do they wait until they have full control of the spider man character
2: as someone you know, who I mean, wants to who un- knows
1: who knows how that's going to go he- how long sony's going to have their hands in the spider man game
2: as someone who wants to unload the first appearance of Spider Woman, I absolutely am down with seeing Spider Woman on the big screen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but no, it's... I
1: think I think it's a matter of time, man. I think it's a matter of time. Oh yeah. Like if you had said ten years ago, you know, how about that Shang Chi movie? And you're like, what are you even talking about? So I, I think at this point the doors are open, man. It's just a matter of find a find a director, find a writer, find a, an actor who's interested and, and the possibilities are endless
2: how great is it by the way that we're getting the proper pronunciation of these characters now we know that it's not Shang-Chi it's Shang-Chi because Lord oh, if Feige you said
1: it, if you hadn't said it I would have been saying Shang-Chi this whole time so I... thank god you said it first
2: I... <laughs> the funniest thing is because when uh, I watched the announcement from Kevin Feige he's just like and coming soon next in the parade of uh, Disney and Marvel things it's Shang-Chi I'm like okay that's how I have to pronounce it <laughs> And, uh, you know, I've said it on previous episodes, but there was that uh, upcoming into the multiverse kind of thing when Disney Plus first launched, and it was like five minutes long telling everybody what's coming. And I always equate it to Kevin Feige as... The guy, like one of the uh, announcers on the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, where he's just like, and coming up next, it's Moon Knight. Yes, Moon Knight. Moon Knight, he's crazy and has multiple personalities. Behind him is a, a parade float for a Broadway show that's going to close in six months. But <laughs> just yeah. all sorts of, you know, it's the weirdness of Marvel, too, that we're seeing come to the forefront.
1: Yeah, and, and, and you know, I think now that, you know, fingers crossed this pandemic is sort of coming to what seems like the end. We're going to see the onrush of stuff that sort of got pushed back, uh, stuff like Black Widow, um, you know, and, and uh, the other uh, Disney Plus shows that seem to have got pushed back slightly. Um, it's not, it's like we're going to get all these things into a mad flood of, of Marvel shows and movies in the next 18 to 24
2: months. Well, we I know we have... Uh, s- July is Black Widow. I want to say September is Shang-Chi and then November is eternal. So it's like every other month right. is going to be a Marvel movie.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: And then and you... Then are...
1: okay. With Loki coming out in July and then uh, whatever follows that on Disney+, Plus, uh, whether it's uh, the What If or the Hawkeye.
2: I'm um, so excited for Hawkeye.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's cool to sort of see the characters that got introduced in the movies sort of go off on their own television shows. And uh, and still be and still be sort of examined uh, at length. You know, they're not just cameo guys. They're doing six episodes of of Hawkeye or six episodes of Loki or whatever.
2: And you know, with with the Hawkeye series that's going to be coming up, it's I like that. You know, it's kind of giving him the element of he's fighting the uh, the tracksuit Dracula's from the uh, Matt Fraction run. That's what it's going to be, right? And I like the idea (laughs) that, you know, he's going to be, bro, he's going to be that person going around fighting them. And then it'll be weird seeing him go off fighting alien Gleep Glops. But I love that element of the humanization of Hawkeye or Hawkeye, as he's better known. Yeah, right, right, right. But with
0: respect to the recently wrapped up Falcon and Winter Soldier, Chris, we started getting around that. But your take on that, what you like, didn't like, would have liked to have seen happen?
1: Um, I, I, actually liked, I liked, I liked the way it came out. I liked the last episode, especially for the last scene with Sam in front of the cameras, talking to the one Senator. I felt like that was the, I think that I felt like that was the focus of the entirety of the. It was all building towards that moment for him to speak up and become captain America in the eyes of everybody. I thought that was well-played. I thought Anthony Matthews was amazing as straightforward as that series was compared to WandaVision. I felt like that was more of a standard Marvel movie esque thing, you know. Yep. But but in a good way. I don't. That's certainly no you know disres- or not to diminish what Falcon Winter Soldier was. You know, I just thought that was a great story to tell. You know, having Anthony Mackie become Captain America and sort of take the mantle properly. You know what I mean? Like at the end of of, of Endgame, it just was sort of like you know, an an unspoken thing between two people and the rest of the world didn't get to see it. And then here in the last episode, he finally takes control and and people can say, "Why? okay, this guy should be Captain America. This guy speaks, you know, speaks as Captain America. That's how I felt anyway.
2: And we're going to be getting a Captain America 4 with Anthony Mackie in the lead as previously mentioned in the previous episode. And it's also going to be done by the showrunner of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So I'm kind of excited to see where this could go.
1: Right, yeah. And I think, I think that's interesting in, the, in that sense. But it also, like, I feel like something that the Marvel Universe hasn't dealt with and it's probably going to start happening is the idea of recasting these guys within the realm of its own stories. You know what I mean? Like, you know, if you look at back at the, the end of the first Civil War miniseries, the comic itself, Captain America was dead for a year, two years. And at the end of Civil War II, I, uh, Tony Stark was gone for a year. And while that was happening, you saw you know either Bucky took the shield as Captain America in the comics or the rise of Riri Williams as Ironheart. So I think there's going to come a time where you're going to see another actor take over for Tony Stark. You're going to see another actor take over for Steve Rogers because in the same way that the characters have stood the test of time in the books, I think there's going to come a time where we're going to see like Timothy Chalamet as Tony Stark. You know what I mean? Like you're going to see younger actors come and I think it's going to happen in the sense like it's not going to be a recast in the sense like okay, we had Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man but now we're just going to restart and have uh, Andrew Garfield. I think what's going to happen is there's going to be a story within the Marvel Universe where Tony's come back to life but it's this actor. And, um, you know, they could do that with conceivably they could do that sort of story with T'Challa and Black Panther if they decided to recast an actor to play T'Challa to bring T'Challa back into the Marvel universe. It's conceivable that that's a way to go rather than just having the character played by a different actor and pretending that nothing has changed. They tell the story of, you know, whether it's through the multiverse or through time travel or whatever, you know what I mean? So I think you know, now that we've gotten to the end of Chris Evans as Captain America or Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, there's going to come a time when you're going to have other actors sort of taking the mantles of these roles.
0: I think that also opens it up for, and we, I know, touched upon it in more than one episode before, and that's the whole idea of Young Avengers and whether it's sure. with Hawkeye's daughter, and like you said, Ironheart, Eli, yeah, the the kid from you know, because we're connected <laughs> Patriot. from, thank you. Patri- Patriot, rather there as well. Um, no, I'm thinking of Iron Man three. A comic
2: book, sir. No.
0: <laughs> so that's another possibility as well to get other characters in here as well and, and perpetuate, continue along to to the next generation of viewers. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because I, I think I think there's there's going to come a time where they're going to want Tony Stark back in the Marvel universe, the cinematic universe. They're going to want Steve Rogers back. And how do they do that? Do they just recast, or do they tell a story where somehow Tony has come back and it's this actor, or somehow, you know, Steve Rogers is alive again and it's this character. I mean, they've done it so well in the comic books for so many years. Now that we've gotten to the end of the first iteration of these characters on the screen, I think it's just a natural progression to get different actors playing. So it'll be interesting to see how they creatively do it. I mean, they've got they've got the stories at their fingertips and they've got the writers who made these characters sort of pass away and come back to life and that sort of thing. So, like, the possibilities, again, like we say, the possibilities are endless. and It'll be cool to see how they get there.
2: Well, as, you know, a resident of the Best Coast in uh, Southern California, have you seen that billboard mentioning Bring Back Tony Stark that was made by I, Marvel fans? I,
1: I have not seen it. I saw it on Twitter. I did not physically see it. But, like, that again, it just... To the popularity of the character, I think I think that particular billboard. I sort of read it as bring back Robert Downey Jr.
2: Yeah, same. Yeah, you
1: know what I mean. Which, unfortunately, you know, I don't. I, I can't imagine that would happen again. Although they had talked about having Tony come back, sort of in the way that he was the 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 Friday character for Riri Williams in the comic book. Um, how interesting would it be for him to be the voiceover guy? For Riri Williams in the cinematic universe,
2: once that happens, I would love to see that, to be (laughs) honest. Because, again, you know, you have the uh, vocal performance of Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, you have the visual element of who he is. But come on, like the humor, the wit, all of that stuff, that is RDJ in a nutshell, and he would shine. Sure, 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 sure. Especially, you know, the blue shine of, you know, the hologram. Right, right. (laughs) So. But. Before we wrap this episode up and put a pin on it, we want to say thank you once again for doing the show today, Chris.
1: My pleasure, man. I'm, I'm happy to come back on. Um, we didn't even get into like new books, new stuff happening. This was all sort of on the screen that we talked about today, but I'm happy to talk about any anything, anytime, man. So uh, yeah, thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it.
2: Absolutely. And before we go, first off, how can people get a hold of you on social media?
1: I'm on Twitter at FACDaniels. I'm on Instagram at fachristopherdaniels. And in addition to that, you can always catch up with me on the AEW channels as well at AEW on TNT. You know, just talking about all elite wrestling and the ongoing show on Wednesday nights on TNT. So um, that's basically everything, man. I'm not a TikTok guy. I, uh, <laughs> I My dance moves aren't worthy of TikTok. So uh, I don't have a TikTok. Sorry, everyone
2: chris an absolute pleasure thanks
1: guys i appreciate you having me and and thanks to everybody listening thanks for the support and uh support your local comic book shop
2: would you say this is the worst podcast you've ever been on
1: (laughs) i don't do those things anymore man no this is a great podcast we don't we don't uh we don't denigrate we we bring them up everybody bringing it up so support Support your local podcast as well.
0: Yeah, hey, I think Marvelous. it was I think it was just great that Peter didn't even have to go and extend the branch to say you're more than welcome to come back anytime. You did it yourself, and that's
2: even
1: better. <laughs> hey man, that's 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 true pro wrestler. You always book yourself for the next show.
2: <laughs> so For the Marvelists, I'm Peter Melnick. I'm the fallen angel, Christopher Daniels.
0: And I'm Eddie Wilson, excelsior. It's obsessed with Marvel, with the fallen angel, Christopher Daniels. Thank you for sticking around. Yes. You never left, even. Okay. Exactly. Don't call it a comeback. Oh. All right. So, we're having a good feeling about this, considering the episode we just listened to and recorded. Okay. Okay. We might have... No, I'm not going to jinx it. All right.
1: Yeah, please don't. Please don't. I don't want to tank it.
0: We go 50-50 at best, usually. Yeah. Oh, boy. If we get to four questions and maybe get further well, even better. Question number okay. 1943. Who is Jean-Paul Duchamp? If I even said that right. Is this character a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent? Is it Moon Knight's pilot, Frenchie? Is it a European drug dealer an enemy of Cloak and Dagger? Or is it Vanessa Fisk's psychiatrist? Maybe it's Jean-Paul. Uh, yeah. I can read him again. Frenchy.
2: Yeah, it's I was Frenchy. thinking Frenchie too.
0: Jean-Paul Duchamp? Okay, you're I think saying... Frenchie is his nickname.
1: Moon Knight's pilot. It's Frenchie, French... yeah, is Moon, Moon Knight's pilot.
0: Or S.H.I.E.L.D. agent or European drug dealer, enemy of Cloak & Dagger, Vanessa Fisk, psychiatrist. Well, op- well obviously I...
2: Frenchie's not his birth name.
0: <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know if we knew Frenchie as a different... Uh, and they're spelling Frenchie with a Y at the end. I, for some reason, thought it was an I-E, but regardless...
1: It is an I-E. Uh,
0: oh, well, now, let's see. Uh, well... I
1: thought it was an I-E. Maybe I'm wrong. Crap. And you know what? <laughs> see, this is why... This is why we're taping this before we play it live. Good God. It will.
0: You know what? We'll just have to take a shot and say B. And it is correct. Yeah, okay. okay. Whoa, good start. We like that. All right, man. Give it a chance for this little computer chip to think and another couple of seconds or so for my fingers to do the walking. Oh, that's an old thing. Let your fingers do the walking. Come on, what was that from? Does anybody remember? No. Yellow Pages, baby. Thank you. Thank you very much. Come on. Okay, wow, man. yellow pages.
1: I'm a 70s kid, baby. These, uh, well, there you go. Okay.
0: I think we're closer in age than Peter and I are, but that's another story for every other episode. <laughs> 873. Armbar. And it is, which of the following is not one of Thor's past human identities? Choices are Jake Olson, Dr. Keith Kincaid, Sigmund, or Eric Masterson.
1: Which Eric is, Masterson.
0: Er, okay, he's on it just <laughs> right away. I'm just, holy cow. Oh, love- I'm sorry.
1: Was I supposed to wait? I'm sorry.
0: No, no if you know, you go. That's it. <laughs>
1: yeah, man. Okay. Yeah, Eric Masterson.
0: Jake Mas- Jake Mast. Jake Olson. Doctor Keith Kincaid. Sigmund and Eric Masterson. Okay. Well, we're going with letter D, and it says no. Uh, Doctor Keith Kincaid. Now I can't reference where. These other aliases well, were Masterson,
1: used Eric Masterson is Thunderstrike. So was he four first?
0: Oh, well, well, got got us on a technicality, perhaps. Eddie, get Ron Friends on the line. No, no Ron, Tom Brevoort. Him too. Yeah, I, right. <laughs> uh, he's on it. I mean, we have a flagged question here, and the book said it was different, and Tom was our guest in studio. He said, no, I wrote that. That is wrong. <laughs> the book is wrong. We move on. All right, so moving up here to... The, the east side. One, <laughs> I, I had a feeling we were going that route. Thank you. One nine three seven. Who says who was Jonathan Powers? Question uh, answers the exterminator, the jester, the organizer, or Brother Brimstone? Who was Jonathan Powers? The exterminator, the jester, the organizer, or Brother Brimstone?
1: Ooh, Oof. that's man.
0: Uh... Yeah, we get those a lot. <laughs> See, I heard power. and I thought power pack, but no. Yeah, that's what I was that's, thinking too. Yeah, no. But the ending is power, not powers. Exterminator, Jester, Organizer, Brother Brimstone. I'm psych- I'm psychically trying to figure out an answer here. Tito I, Fuente. I'm. I'm. I'm gonna. I don't know. Brother I'm Brimstone.
1: I'm going to say say wait, say the four again. Say hey, the four again.
0: The Exterminator, the Jester, the Organizer or Brother Brimstone.
1: It's not Brother Brimstone and it's not the Organizer. I I am going to say the Jester. The I'm going to
0: say the Jester. Okay, let's let's go with that because Wait, Eddie, you didn't ask what I think. What do you think, Peter? I think what Chris thinks. You think that's what I have <laughs> God.
1: That is correct.
0: Jonathan oh, Powers, the Jester. Yeah. Let's remember that because inevitably, hopefully, whatever this will come up again. Um, I think we're gonna maybe push our luck and go ahead to one more because we're just—I don't know—we're sort of cranking through this. Good, bad, or ugly. <laughs> Mostly ugly. That's why it's this visual
2: uh, audio. How Hello. dare you? My mom says I'm handsome.
0: Two foot. Well, that's your mama.
1: Okay, twenty-four I have to twenty-eight take for radio. So, <laughs>
0: yeah, ditto, and that's my job. 2428 is the question number. Of which race were Red Ravens bird people and offshoot? Whew. Choices are Shiar, Inhumans, Deviants, or Eternals. Shiar. Shiar. Of which race were Red Ravens bird people and offshoot? Shiar, Inhumans, Deviants, and Eternals. I know you said Shiar, and I thought of Deathbird for some reason. So I'm like, oh, bird, bird people. I'm. A Ms. Marvel foe, actually, Death Deathbird. I think I remember in her run. Good for her. Any Any idea,
1: Chris? Ah uh, man, because
2: uh... I feel like Shiar would make sense because they're the most birdific.
1: They're most bird That makes... Yeah, I. Uh... God, I don't really know. Um...
0: Shiar, Inhumans, Deviants, Eternals.
1: Uh, I'm going to say Inhuman.
2: You're going with inhumans. Yeah. Right. Let's rock, paper, scissors. this.
0: With some degree of conviction or confidence, Peter says, hey, let's try A. I was going to think deviance myself, but I'm going with A, and it's not correct. The answer is inhumans. Oh, wow. You,
1: this is why man. you go with the guest fun, choice, by, not by mine. Yeah, by the grace of guests.
0: That's exactly right, yeah. <laughs> I, I think we're maxed out.
1: Yeah, man, we're really fighting. We're really struggling. Maybe okay. we stop while we're ahead. We, we will. Or, Those or, were tougher than I thought, man. At
0: least even, yeah. Thank you again. <laughs>